0: Success is about more than just business strategies. It's also about aligning with your higher purpose and clearing inner obstacles that stand in the way. I say this because you deserve to do what you love and to feel fulfilled along the way. And the reality is you're likely spending more time than you'd like to stuck in self-doubt. You may be asking yourself things like, why do I never seem to reach my biggest goals no matter how hard I work? Or, Why do I never quite feel like I've done enough, have enough, or am enough? If any of these sound familiar, you are not alone, and I've been there too. The good news is that the solution is simpler than you think. I'm sharing it inside my new four day women's immersion, the Inner Critic Cure. This live four day event includes daily classes, potent practices, and a brilliant, supportive community of like minded women. And best of all, it's only $37. This method is gentle yet powerful, and it actually works even when others haven't, because it's based on a proven psychotherapeutic framework called internal family systems or IFS. By the time you leave, you'll have the knowledge and tools to not only heal your relationship with those harsh inner voices, but to turn them into your strongest allies now and for the rest of your life. So join us to discover how to put an end to those negative voices that have held you back from your biggest dreams and desires, so you can live into the full potential you know is possible for you in both your business and in your life. You can learn more and join us inside The Inner Critic Cure at programs-sarahavonstover.com forward slash immersion. That's programs-sarahavonstover.com forward slash immersion. I'd love to see you there. Hello women, welcome to She Talks, a space to remember and be nourished by the wisdom of the sacred feminine. I am Sarah Von Stover, and I'm really happy to be here with you. It's a warm fall morning here in Boulder, Colorado. Now it's just one week into October, and the leaves outside are turning warm or golden and some red, Each day. And on this poignant time of year, I'm reflecting on some milestones that happened at this time some years back. And these are some anniversaries that are definitely worth noting. First of these, this podcast celebrated its five year anniversary on September 28th. I started this in 2015. Uh, with a special series to honor the publication of my second book. And I'll just share more about that in a moment. But that series called She Stories featured interviews with just a whole bunch of really interesting, influential women about their own heroine's journeys, like the kind of things that we might not hear that often from people that we admire, ways that these women transformed hard Times in their lives into, into strengths, into opportunities even, and into pathways to becoming who they are now. So there are some gems in there and if you want to go back and listen to any of those interviews from that initial series. Uh, the next milestone is that, yes, five years ago, right now, to be precise, my second book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, was published. And I continue to get emails and messages about how women stumble across this book, and they find it in really mysterious, sometimes even magical ways. And it's just, it really touches my heart to learn about how she meets you at very specific points along your journeys and that was my intention for that book. You know, when it when it was released, I asked her to go out into the world and find the people she needed to find to do the work that she and all of us came here to do. So, yay for 5 years of the book of she. And uh, the final event that I want to honor today which is really the, the focus of today's episode, is that five years ago now, my own personal heroine's journey took a direction and took on an intensity, I could say, that I could have never fathomed uh, from where I was sitting at this time back then or from who I was at that time. And really, like the acceleration of my heroine's journey from five years ago right now, it it kept me from bringing the book out into the world in the way that I really wanted to because I was so engrossed in a lot of personal material that erupted in my life at that time. Uh, But I also know that things are as they're meant to be, and... I've since been warned, be careful what you write a book about, because you'll need to learn and embody the lessons in that book in a much deeper way. And wow, is that is that ever true? You know, that was a very hard book to write. It took me a couple of years, whereas my first book just took me about six months. First book was much more straightforward and I wrote the book of She, that second book, because I thought I was coming to the end of a cycle in my own heroine's journey. But now I see that that leading up to publishing the book was just the on-ramp to a, a much, much more comprehensive, all-consuming transition, I could say. <laughs> That's a, a euphemisms there. Over the past several years. So I'll leave it at that because this interview goes into it in more depth. Uh, but yes, today's talk is an interview, or rather, I should say it's more of a dialogue, as I feel that that medium is a more feminine form of connecting. So this dialogue is with my good friend Emma Title. And Emma is a psychotherapist and a coach for women, also based here in Boulder, Colorado. And some of you will remember Emma because she's been on the podcast now. Today is her third time. So she interviewed me here a couple of years ago about my abortion, and she also interviewed me back five years ago in the very first episode for this podcast. So I will link to both of those in the show notes. This was a rich conversation where by the end of it, we both felt like we'd really just stepped out of time and found our flow, and we cover a whole range of things from like how we're structuring our days at this point in the pandemic, what specific things are inspiring us and helping us. We talk about the nascent steps we've been taking on our own anti-racist journeys, we, related to that, we speak about my experience working in California prisons last year. And above all, we speak about the key insights and lessons that I've gathered from the past five years of my heroine's journey. So enjoy just dropping into this conversation with us. And many blessings for wherever you are on your journey. At this point. Hello everyone I am here joined today with my good friend Emma Title, and maybe you know her from her work in her world she is a coach and a psychotherapist for women amongst other things she's also the the mother of a, of a beautiful two-year-old daughter and she's also been here on the podcast before I think Once, is it just once before, maybe twice, I think twice now, or maybe like one of like the very first episodes, and then also one when I produced a series around abortion. So it's great to have you here again for the third time. And this conversation is now in honor of the five-year anniversary of the publication of my second book the book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power. Much has changed in my life and in your life since then and also for sure in the world. So our intention today is just to have an open, honest conversation and to hopefully offer things that are interesting and inspiring, entertaining for you in your own life. I know these are challenging times and I know I can speak for both of us in saying that our heart goes out to all who are, who are suffering right now. So, Emma, um, as we often do in this women's community, I'd love for us to just start with a personal check-in, just sharing where we are geographically and how we're doing at the levels of body, heart, in mind, and take as much or as little space as you want to answer this.
1: Great, thank you so much, Sarah, for having me back, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And right now, I'm in my home in Colorado, and it's kind of a big deal for me because I'm alone in my home, which is something that's been very, very rare uh, in the last two years since I had my daughter, and. I'm feeling settled in my body. Uh, I got to do some things to take care of myself this morning, which again is um, a gift and a privilege that I don't always get as, as a mom of a young child. And I feel joyful and content getting to have this conversation with you and also on the other side of a big transition for myself and my life in terms of having more space and um, routine and ability to focus on my work in a way that feels good for me and my heart feels tender and very aware of everything that's going on in our world and um, just feeling a lot of care and empathy for people that I know and people I don't know and everything that they're going through so that's my check-in this morning. Thank you, Emma. Yeah. I'm curious how you are
0: on those levels. Yeah, I'm I'm joining today from I'm sitting on the floor in my new office and my new home in Boulder, Colorado. I just moved into this house three weeks ago today. And I'm still waiting for my desk to arrive. It won't be here for another couple weeks. It seems like. All the cool desks are on back order because everyone's working from home. And so it's this room is still in in process and I'll I feel better once it's once it's all dialed in like I can just really settle into my own creative space, my own practice space, but in the meantime, I'm just enjoying getting to know this room. And I'm a little tired. I've just been resting a lot, you know moving, I just moved back here from Santa Barbara, California. I was in Santa Barbara for a couple years in a time that I, for a time that I now refer to affectionately as my Santa Barbara sabbatical. And moving is tiring and this time in general is tiring. So I'm just, I'm just really letting myself rest as much as I can and uh, not putting pressure on myself to, to anything in particular. So I'm um, a little tired. And you know, overall my spirits are 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 good right now. I'm in this moment, I feel like I'm able to find a balance of really staying present with what's happening in the world and not turning away. And also trusting that um, I mean, the only way I can say it is really that there's nothing but God, that it's all God's play. And that's not to, you know, that's not to be spiritual, spiritually bypassing, but it's just like a a trusting that we're in a major shift in consciousness that has been spoken about for eons in spiritual traditions. And uh, we're in for, we're in for a ride. And just, just trusting my place in that, and listening really really deeply um but I'm grateful to be back in Boulder I didn't expect to be moving back here but it feels right and um maybe we'll touch on that more in our conversation but I'm also happy to be here and just sharing the space with you Emma and to everyone who's who's listening
1: thanks for sharing Sarah beautiful
0: yeah so um maybe we'll start by sharing some things that have been or that are helpful for us right now in these times I know I mean for me when I look back on this pandemic when I look back six months ago what was helping me then is very different than what's helping me now so um I don't know. What feels good for you, Emma? Do you want to share kind of like an overview of what's been helpful for you or what's like, what's really alive for you right now?
1: Sure. Maybe I'll, I'll start with now <laughs> in a way it's easier. It has been such a ride um, for all of us in the last six months. And I was actually listening to uh Brene Brown podcast the other day, and she was talking about day two as sort of the metaphor for where we're at, it's like on day one, when there's something new, there's novelty, there's excitement, there's like a lot of um, energy or there can be even like a thrill of, of having to make a big change or do something different. And I certainly find this in my life in general. But then on day two or the messy middle, as people call it, it's like some of the fatigue and the exhaustion and the reality of change hits in a deeper way and so I'm I feel like adjusted in many ways to this new way of living and I am also anticipating I'm feeling myself anticipate so much of the unknowns and the uncertainty particularly in the United States with the political climate um that's on the horizon here. So some days I'll wake up and I'll just feel anxiety and there's it's hard to put content like it's not there's not a specific reason why I should feel anxious necessarily but I think I'm just feeling the the state of the world and how much is not written yet and how much we're going to have to keep going through as we make this transition that you're talking about as as a collective. Um, And so on a practical level, what's helping me is routine. (laughs) And we finally, it feels like for the first time, actually in two years since my daughter was born, have settled into a routine with work and family time and her care that feels like it can support more of who I am. And that's just been so hard to come by with the unpredictability of um, early infancy, both in her and my own state. So routine is really helpful. And then I've been reading a ton during the last six months. And that has been such a refuge for me. I'm, I'm just tearing through books of all different kinds. And there's something about much of the world's excuse me as I knew it being off limits now that's just calling me to more of the quieter inner life and it's actually feeling really good um and I recognize that's a huge privilege because I have work where I haven't had to be out in the world as much but you know not traveling not seeing family has really forced me to to stay very close to myself and close to home, both literally and metaphorically. So those are a few
0: that have been your favorites
1: these past six months. Good question. Um, So I read Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Most recently, my mom actually sent me Finding Freedom, the new book about Meghan and Harry, um, the former... Duke and Duchess um, of Sussex. And that for whatever reason, I usually read things that are more in my professional domain. And there was something about reading about their lives that was just so satisfying and indulgent for me. And the narrative is a lot about race and family dynamics and culture and love and risk-taking. So it fed a lot of the things that I really care about, um, even though it was, you know, felt different than what I normally read because it's all about their their lives.
0: Um, I didn't realize that book was out. It sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, I I finish it faster than any other book. <laughs> it's really good. So yeah, those are some of the things that have been helping me get through and. I'm sure there's others, but I'd love to hear from you.
0: yeah, just a couple more specific questions because i i always I'm always curious about specifics when i when I listen to interviews is like what what is the routine that is that that you've settled into for now that's feeling that's feeling good?
1: Yeah, I appreciate the question. Thank you. It's a lot of little things um, one thing that's really helped me is is plugging my phone in away from my bed and turning it off every night so that when I wake up in the morning, I'm really with myself, even if it's just for a moment, even if it's my daughter who woke me up, it's just like a few breaths of, of my own psychic space, which has been hard to come by in the worlds that we're living in. And so if I wake up before my daughter, I'll just grab the book or the Kindle that's by my bedside and read for a few moments, which feels like such a privilege and such a luxury. And then I usually am the one to get her. My husband sleeps a little later. And so that moment where I walk in the room and pick her up and we just hug and snuggle in the chair is one of my favorite moments of the day, just embracing and reconnecting after sleep together. And then we make what my daughter calls lemonade, which is we squeeze a lemon and make a pitcher of lemon water so that all three of us can have um, warm lemon water to start the day. And they're very basic things, um, but they mean a lot to me because they're about... Valuing health and connection and togetherness in the beginning of the day before we get into work and the world and all those other things. And and then now I usually have a good solid chunk of time to work. Either the babysitter comes or I bring her to a neighbor's house who's taking care of her. Um I should mention my my husband comes and connects with us too around the lemonade, and we kind of all get ready and go to our various places and then I'm either with clients or writing or working on my podcast and then at the end of the day, we all reunite around four thirty. My husband comes home around five thirty and we know we're cooking dinner, going for walks, talking about the day and it's very ordinary. And sometimes I feel like I'm living groundhog's day. <laughs> you know, we, we get in the bath around seven thirty, and then are putting her down, but I'm really starting to feel like I have presence and appreciation for those little moments of turning down the bed or getting my daughter to sleep or reading at the end of the day. It's just, um, it's nothing very special, but But to be able to have those predictable rhythms and routines means a lot for me.
0: I want to take a short break from this conversation to let you know about a special series I'm leading this fall called Preparing for the Darker Months and Times. Here in the U.S., with daylight savings ending in a couple of weeks, and the days in general just growing noticeably short, that can bring up feelings of anxiety and trepidation, melancholy, even depression, and all those things under the very best of circumstances. At a pandemic, and everything else that's happening right now, and uh, yeah, I don't, you don't need me to tell you that it's it's a lot. So in this series, which is broken down over the course of two half-day virtual retreats, we will come together as a community of women from around the world to carve out some inner and outer containers of quiet. And within these containers, I'll map out some essentials to weave into your practice and your days during these darker times. So even if you're in the southern hemisphere or in a place that doesn't really feel the effects of seasons, these tools will help you just in general to navigate more difficult seasons of life, more uncomfortable seasons of life. So these practices will help anchor and orient you into the deeper dimensions of your own psyche and your own life, which we don't have access to when the light is shining more brightly on our path. So the first retreat was actually yesterday, October 10th, but the video replay is still available. And the second retreat is on Saturday, November 14th. Both of these are offered inside my online spiritual practice community, Women's House of Wisdom, and you can find that at womenshouseofwisdom.com. It's a really sweet community uh, offering support and guidance on a number of levels during these times, and pandemic pricing is available to those who need it. We'd love to have you. And again, you can join us to watch the partake in the video retreat from yesterday and to join us in the second part of this series on November 14th by signing up at womenshouseofwisdom.com womenshouseofwisdom.com and now back to my conversation with Emma. Yeah. And for me, um, I guess I'll just speak to where I am now, because things are different since I'm since I moved um, in terms of my rhythm. And a lot of my rhythm now has been around just logistics of getting settled and reconnecting with people here. Um, But in general, like I said earlier, I'm just really prioritizing sleep and rest. And I have been throughout the pandemic and you know, I I usually don't get out of bed until eight these days, and I usually get in bed at around eight at night, and I have been reading, but not as much as I usually do. I usually read about a book a week, but something about this time, it has just felt, and also because I've been alone, um like watching engaging shows has actually felt really good. Like it's um, like an interesting story just to feel like it's more something to, to draw me in. And I mean, I'm not with other people when I do that, but it just, I don't know. It just feels, um, just feels better than, than reading. Um, Although I still like to read, just not as much as usual. So yeah, I'll get into bed early and I'll read or I'll journal or I'll watch a show. And um, the latest show that I'm watching is Jane the Virgin on Netflix. And I highly recommend it. It's very cute. It's like silly and serious and very cute. So it's just, it's a nice balance of things um, at the end of the day. And My dog, Sadie, has been a big, I mean, she's just been a huge piece of my life for the past four and a half years since I adopted her, but definitely during this time. And by the end of 2020, we will have spent, Sadie and I will have spent every day together of the year. Like we won't have spent a single night apart, which is um, pretty amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. And uh, we go for, we go for a walk pretty much every day. Um, usually like, I haven't been exercising, like doing cardio exercise. It's just felt too tiring for me. And that's actually been a nice, a nice shift just to go for gentle walks and doing a lot of, um, restorative yoga and yin yoga and just like very gentle yoga. It's like just gentleness is my, is my theme in life right now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, snuggling with Sadie, walking with Sadie and um, prayer has been an increasingly bigger piece of my life. And I spend my like meditation time each morning is is mostly prayer right now and also time connecting with my ancestors. Since the pandemic started, I've been in a deep process of um, healing my ancestral line. Like, you know, we have four, four lines, four main lines. And right now I'm just working on the one that's the most damaged. And it's, I don't know how long I'll be on that line, but um, I spend time with that every, every morning and connecting with certain ancestral guides who are further back in time, like a couple thousand years back who are very well. And I have to say, this is one of like the most transformative experiences of my life is this ancestral work. And um, I've really been listening closely to them around what I'm supposed to be doing at this time. And that was part of my, my move back to actually that was like why I moved back here. It's just listening to their direction. And I have felt a greater level of, I guess you could say luck in my life or just grace since connecting with them. Like I just have, feel like I have more support And that's been really helpful, especially because it's been such a solitary time, although I'm connecting with people more now, definitely than I was in the first three months, you know, going for walks with friends and such. And um, yeah, in terms of like work schedule, I've, it's been super mellow, super fluid and not like my structure has been to have no structure, which has felt really nice. And necessary. Um, it's just really been about decompressing. Mm. Yeah.
1: I'm. I love hearing about particularly the prayer and the ancestral work, Sarah, and I wonder how, what, how do you pray? If you, if you don't mind me asking, I think it can be so personal and there are so many different traditions and I'm curious what you've found for yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I've, what I've learned is just like, the faster I can go to prayer, the better things are going to be. And sometimes if I'm like, really spun out or really ungrounded, uh, I'll just know like, okay, when I get into bed tonight, like, I need to pray before I go to sleep, because that's going to make everything okay. And that's going to tell me what I need to do. So yeah, I mean, like my my like more formal prayer time in my meditation time is um, it's just asking for blessings on my health and on my life that, that i be on point with my destiny. Um, ask for help with very specific things that I need or um, guidance about what I'm supposed to do in a certain situation. And that is directed in, few different places. Sometimes it's just like to, for me, I, I name it God, just, you know, universal love, like the the heart of the universe. Um, I also have a strong connection with Mother Mary and um, receive like very specific guidance from her and, and meet with her every day. And then from my ancestors, just asking for specific help from them and specific like blessings for my life and my my path. And then anytime like during the day, if I'm walking or um in a challenging moment, like there's a phrase from Caroline Mace, and she that she says in prayer, she just published a new book on prayer, which I haven't read yet, but I'm curious to read it. But one of her phrases is like, um, Dear God, I need to download some badass grace right now, and some, say something along those lines, like just like download the grace right now. And just knowing that like it, whatever I ask for comes, I just need to remember to ask for it and to remember that that's like that's the ultimate solution, that's the ultimate bomb for any situation. And also, then when I'm going to sleep at night, I often just review my day, like review what was the best moment of the day what was the hardest moment of the day? Um, what am I grateful for? And, uh, and then I also pray again and just, if there's things I need to hand over or just want to have cleared and cleansed in my sleep, I ask for that as well. Beautiful. Thank you for
1: sharing. And thank you also for sharing about how you're prioritizing rest, Sarah, because I feel like I feel like actually when I very first met you, that was a lot about what you were talking about, you know, talking about um, the feminine cycles and the rhythms and with your first book, The Way of the Happy Woman, it's just such an undervalued, under-talked about aspect to life. And so I love that you're spending 12 hours in bed, even if all that's not asleep most nights and being gentle with your movement and just gentle with yourself. It feels like such an antidote to what's going on right now in the world.
0: Yeah, I feel, and I think that this time has just helped me to see more and more how insane our, our culture is. And you know, what I've also seen is that a lot of things that I thought were like wrong with me or were my personal issues or problems, one level is like, Oh, I, I actually saw it's more like an ancestral thing. Like a lot of things I've been working with in my lifetime is actually ancestral. Mm-hmm. And, but then even more than that, it's actually cultural wounding. It's like the cultural wounding that, that word, that we're actually dealing with. And it's not so much, you know, you know, as a psychotherapist, it's like all about like oneself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just looking more at like the cultural healing that needs to happen. Like, it's not, it's not like our, whatever we're dealing with, it's like, it's not our fault. It's, it's our, it's the sickness of our culture. It's the psychosis of our culture. And totally what, just like a very highly pressurized life.
1: Yeah. I, um, I love what you're saying. And I'm, reading a book called My Grandmother's Hands right now by Resmaa Menekum and I'm trained in somatic experiencing which is um, one of the main methodologies that he uses and I'm in a a course with him and some of his colleagues really trying to unpack, they call it somatic abolitionism, so trying to unpack um, what's going on in terms of race relations and so much of what he talks about is is so linked to what you're saying, you know, like that inherited and ancestral trauma that doesn't get named or unlocked or unwound, it it kind of tumbles down on us. And then it starts to look like personality, or it starts to look like traits of a group of people. But actually it belongs to this much bigger history and ancestral inheritance that that hasn't been healed. It hasn't been worked through. So I love that you're doing that work of like looking more broadly, not just at the eye, the individual self, but really looking at a whole, a whole line, a whole culture, a whole people. I think it's what we need to be doing right now.
0: Yeah. And I love that you're taking that course and that's a really provocative Phrase somatic abolitionism. Can you can you just explain that a little bit more? Yeah,
1: it's it's. Um, so I just want to give credit to Kareen Bell. So she's the one who's putting it together, and um, she has a whole team. And then Resma Menekem, the author of My Grandmother's Hands, is coming in um, for different parts. And it's essentially the idea that we have to go into the body to understand and unpack how racism and white supremacy has affected us. And so I'm speaking as a white woman right now. And so a lot of what it is, is, is starting to track and be with the embodied experiences of how racism has consciously or unconsciously played out in my development and how I respond to people, other people that are white, people that are black, people other, he calls them bodies of culture, bodies of color. So it's a very deep process. And it's like, we I think those of us who want to be anti-racist or who want to live in a world where we're not plagued by this, we often come at it through the intellect, through cognition, and Ras is saying that's not what's going to stop the systemic and uh, social issues that are playing out right now. We have to go into the body to gain more bandwidth and consciousness,
0: because the so body conscious mind, yeah, five percent of our mind,
1: yeah. Wow. I highly recommend his book to anyone. He writes a lot about the police um he writes about white bodies, black bodies, bodies of culture it's i'm just I'm such a baby learner beginner, but it feels good to be engaging the work and he has a lot around ancestral work too, in his book.
0: yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing that um I'm just a baby beginner as well, but that's been another part of these, these months is just um, always having something that I'm engaging with around my anti-racist education. And I haven't read his book yet, but um, there were a couple of really good interviews with him on the On Being podcast with Krista Tippett.
1: Yeah, I loved that one. Yeah. What books have you been reading?
0: I read, well, last year, time is very strange right now, but last year I was doing a lot of work in um, California, the California prison system. And that, that was life-changing for me. Um, that could be like a whole other podcast episode, but I mean, that just opened up my eyes in new ways to Racism in this country and just the whole prison industrial complex in this country and how the prison system is like our modern day slave system and what um, this work that I was doing was we were bringing uh, spiritual psychology workshops into maximum security prisons it was two women's prisons and three men's prisons and We'd do like a weekend workshop in the gym with up to 200 of the men and women who live in prison. They prefer to be called that rather than inmates or prisoners. And I remember my first time in the gym, we would sit in groups of three, it's called trios with, with, with these men and women and just looking around and seeing that it was all people of color, like 90, 90% people of color. And I I guess I had heard that before, like intellectually, but actually just to see it and just to see it and be in it. It's like, this is, this is so wrong (laughs) and this is clearly intentional and how most of these people um, score very high on the ACE test of like levels of trauma. And I do as well. I have a lot of trauma um, and also a lot of ancestral trauma, but the difference is that I was born a white woman in an upper middle-class family, and and they weren't. Uh, But we shared a lot of similarities and a lot of them had been in multiple times, like sometimes seven, eight, nine, 10 times. And that's the recidivism rate. It's like 80% recidiv- recidivism rate. When you, you get out, you get back in. And it's, it's like an addiction because a lot of them, like their, their parents were in prison or a grandparent was in prison or a sibling. And that's just what they grew up and that's just what they saw. Um, so yeah, a lot more I could say about that. But I started reading um, The New Jim Crow at that time and also um, white fragility. And over these past months I've read, so you want to talk about race and me and white supremacy. I was in a book group with um, several people going through that week by week, which was really interesting just to do it in a group and to have like uncomfortable conversations. And 1619 podcast with the New York Times, that was very, very interesting and also very entertaining. I just tore through that. Um, those are the ones I remember off the top of my head. And I subscribe to something daily, the anti-racist daily. I don't know if you get that, just a, an email every day. That's also really educational and also gives you ways to take specific action.
1: Thank you for sharing that, Sarah, and particularly about your experience working the prison industrial complex. It's it's powerful to hear that sort of firsthand account of what you witnessed.
0: Yeah, and just the foods that they eat, that they're served. It's like it's not even food. And there's so much, there's so many drugs in prison, Yeah. so much violence. And it's kind of like, you know, the, the people who would come to these workshops, a lot of them were like returning participants. And it's like, it was just a daily struggle to not, to not get, to not get beat up and to not um, get sucked back into the into the drugs like I just had no idea there were there were that many drugs in prison wow yeah and also the stories from the wardens and the guards I mean just the whole system is so 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 sick
1: I mean the stories of how the wardens and the guards behave or relate to the people who are living in prison and vice versa yeah
0: yeah I mean, it's just, just people become, you know, we were animals Mm -hmm. and like, they just like everyone just kind of becomes more animal.
1: Yeah. Wow. Feels really, I just feel very humbled in this moment about my level of privilege and also my lack of knowing, like I've known certain things, but I just haven't because of my privilege, I have not had to know certain things. And um, I'm just feeling really impacted hearing about it. And it makes sense. It's like, in such dehumanizing circumstances, the brain just results to the most primal, basic instincts.
0: Yeah, and how, you know, so many people in there do not deserve to be in there. And I mean, I met so many women who were there because like a crime got pinned on them because of their partner
1: mm-hmm.
0: or because they didn't speak English and they couldn't hire a good lawyer to defend them. And it's just it's just story after story after story of sitting sitting with these men and women and it's just it's heartbreaking. And it's yeah. also beautiful. Like, you know, I've been teaching spirituality for 20, 20 years now and I found that they, the people in prison were much more committed than anyone that I've ever worked with in the free world, just because it's like, for them, it really is life or death. It's like, especially if you're in their LWAP, which is life without possibility of parole, like, you know, if you're going to save yourself at some level, it's like, you need to just fully commit to this deep Spiritual transformation, and it's it's just beautiful to see um, to see the shifts that they go through.
1: Wow, thank you for sharing that, Sarah. I'm life without possibility parole. That's so intense. And I'm I'm actually right now I'm working on a talk um, about women's freedom. And it's just this question I've really been wrestling with because so much of my work and my life, because of my privileges, because of my whiteness, my socioeconomic status has been really focused on the the trying to liberate the inner freedom because I haven't been fighting against that much. I mean, I am a woman in this society, so there are forces I've been working against externally, but... For me, it's been so much more of the internal struggle. And as I'm wrestling with this talk, I'm like, I'm really asking the question of how much of my thoughts or beliefs or experiences have been shaped by privilege and what, what would it be like to talk about these concepts with people who are in the least amount of external privilege? Um, like, does the inner game or the inner transformation still matter and I'm hearing you say that in your witnessing, it really does and did matter to those people.
0: Yeah, not to everyone, but, um, you know, to a good number of them that I witnessed, it was, yeah, and they often became teachers of the work and mentors to others in prison and just some of the the, the most um, I, I don't know what the word is, but just incredible human beings I've ever met. or mm-hmm. these especially the men in prison because the the work had been in there for longer, so they they'd really been engaged with it for the longest, and it's remarkable. So it really shows the redemption of the human spirit. and if you if you have the right nourishment, like you can thrive. but if you don't have that. You you can end up in prison.
1: Yeah. Wow. I feel touched by and surprised. I didn't know the conversation
0: was going to lead here. So thank you for sharing all that. Me neither. But it it's um yeah it's it's work that I'd like to stay connected with. I don't know exactly how. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to
1: transition a little bit, Sarah, um, to the anniversary, the upcoming anniversary of the book of She, the five-year anniversary, which I can't believe because I remember when you published that book, it feels like it was just yesterday. <laughs> so much of life has happened since then. Um, but I'm just curious to hear how you're doing, how you're thinking about that aspect of your body of work on year five and just any thoughts or reflections you want to share about the anniversary.
0: Sure. Um, You say it seems like just yesterday. And for me, it really feels like it was several lifetimes ago. Like it feels so, so long ago. And I mean, I'm really proud of that body of work. I'm really proud of both of my books. And I also, you know, I'm still inside this process that started um, very intensely at that time. So five years ago, but that had kind of a two year on-ramp and gradually intensifying two year on-ramp. So seven years. And I now understand this time as my midlife transition Uh, that generally starts around age 37 and can go up to about age 43. It can even extend up to 10 years for some people. Um, In some ways it's kind of been 10 years for me because it really started I guess it really started intensifying after my first book was published or right when my first book was about to be published. Um, So yeah, my midlife transition, which I feel like I'm in the last phase of, and that feels really good to be in the last phase of it. So I'm not ready to fully talk about it because I'm still inside of it, but it's been a fascinating, fascinating, fascinating process. I mean, there's just such a brilliance to divine intelligence and I've all along the way, I've just been surrendering to that divine intelligence, just like a plant or an animal has this like innate wisdom in them that just grows them into what they're meant to be. And the more that I just surrender into that and open to that and just let let things be as they are um, the more I'm carried into the next moment. And I don't know if these words are making sense (laughs) because it's, it's really hard to put language to it. Um, It's making sense to me. Okay. Yeah. And one day I will put better language to it. I I would really like to write a memoir about this time because I feel like it's really under talked about and it's, It's been so profound and the specifics of it don't matter so much anymore. Um, The specific details, those were just like the, like the, the match, you know, that lit the bonfire. And it's like, it doesn't matter what kind of match it was. It was just a match. And it was very, you know, several matches, um, lighting these bonfires that were very specific to me, to the healing that I needed to do, which now I see um, there were so many layers. And I kept thinking that each layer was like the last layer, but then it would just open up an even deeper layer. And I remember meeting with um, one of my therapists a year ago, and she said, You know, she hadn't seen me in a year. We met over Zoom. She, she's in Boulder and I was in Santa Barbara. And she looked at me and she was like, You, you, you have totally changed. And she said, When I saw you last, she's like, you were, you were fine. You were doing your work. Like you were a conscious person. Like you didn't have to do this stuff. Um, but I, I feel like I did. I feel like I did have to do this. And she was saying, she was like, it's like, you're walking in a river and like the river used to be above your head, like this river of change. And now it's just up to like your mid calves. And it's like, we don't know it might be another year or more until you're like all the way on the other side. And that was a year ago. And I was like, Oh my God, another year. Like I can't take it anymore. But I I am a year later and I think it could still even be another year. and it's kind of the time passing has kind of doesn't bother me anymore. I've just let go into trusting the process and feeling good about how I'm engaging with my process and acclimating more to just this ground, groundlessness and just feeling really proud of who, who I am now. And the midlife transition, it's all about sorting. And for some of us, we don't have a lot of time in this lifetime to really tend to our midlife transition. And for some of us, I feel like for me, I'm kind of making up for past, I believe in past lives where I didn't have as much time. So I think it's, I think it's very why is that I don't have um, just why is by the universe, that I don't have a partner, I don't have a family right now, that I've you know my full-time job, really, these past several years has been this process. And I've been working through very, very, very deep layers. Um, and so this sorting is like, what's me and what isn't me. And I've taken everything apart. Just like moving, moving, you know, I go through every item and I, I just say, like, do I want this anymore or not? These past several years, I've gone through that process with every area of my life and every area of my psyche that I'm currently aware of. It's been very, very hard, <laughs> and so many moments where I just didn't think I was gonna live anymore. Uh, where I didn't want to live anymore, I didn't know how I was going to make it. But, um, you know, there is wisdom to the saying, this too shall pass, and of just continuing to put one foot in front of the other. And um, yeah, so if anyone out there right now, like if you know that space that I'm talking about right now, just, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and yeah and I really really um, came into this knowing that really everything is God like my deepest suffering like I I touched like the deepest agony of the human spirit and like that is holy too and that is that is the, the path of the feminine that that we're not trying to transcend anything it's just like how human can I be? Like how how much can I feel my feelings? How much can I can I risk being in my body? Like how how here can I be? How can I not override anything? And so when I was driving back into Boulder, I you know I drove drove back here from California. I was like, oh my God, like this is the heroine's journey. Like I'm And that's what happened with my first book too. After I published my first book, I needed to learn all that in an even deeper way. And then I published this book on the heroine's journey, thinking I'd like just completed a heroine's journey, which I had in some degree, but I had no idea that I was about to go on like way more, way, 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 like infinitely, way more intense heroine's journey for five years. I mean, I I wouldn't have thought I could do it if you had told me that at the time, but I'm here and I did it and I'm doing it. And it's, it's profound. So in a way right now I'm in like that, the homecoming and returning, I've sorted everything and left things behind and now I'm coming back in a new way, like coming back to Boulder in a new way coming back to my career in a new way, just um coming back in a way that's feels true to me, and that's just like a tightrope that I walk every day.
1: Mm. Thank you so much for sharing all that sarah i f- I feel totally I don't know what the word is kind of like brought into your world, I think. And and I feel like I'm receiving the transmission of the wisdom that you're carrying, having gone to the depths that you have. And I hear that it's not complete. And I really want to honor that too. Um, you said something that really struck me was, I think you, you said, I feel really proud of how I've engaged with the process. And I'm like, that's it right there. You know, that you, that you can feel proud of how you've engaged regardless of all the other details or the places you've seen or visited. That's tremendous.
0: It is, and thank you. Yeah, I have like just such a deep respect for myself. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the healing, like deep down, I felt unworthy. I felt deep down, I felt worthless. No matter how much work I'd done on myself, there was still like a core unworthiness. And I didn't know, I just kept engaging with that, you know, and just knowing that it's just like anything over, you know, you need to like work it regularly for things to shift. And I don't feel that anymore. Like I feel so worthy. I feel so valuable. Like I just know my, like my true value. And I feel like I can just really stand in me. And I just know like my power, my power is like just Being myself, Mm. just being as Sarah as I can be in just all the ways that are, all the ways.
1: It's so beautiful, Sarah. And it's, it's so true. And the fact that you've had the opportunity, like you're saying, the wisdom, the grace that you've had the opportunity and the space in this lifetime to get as far as you needed to get to come to that is such a gift. It's a gift for you and a gift for everybody who comes into contact with you and your work.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And it can seem like a curse at times, you know, and I, share that with anyone out there like it can seem it can seem like you're cursed or but it's it's all there's just a much higher mind at play and again I'm still inside I mean I it it, it, there's so many I know that there's so many more things I'm going to face in my life and it could just could be later today I don't know but it's um it's just like it just to continue to have the willingness to keep showing up and engaging and especially now just to let go of ideas of what we think life is supposed to look like. Yeah. That's part of the psychosis of our culture, especially for women. It's like that our life is supposed to look a certain way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I want to just honor and appreciate the way that it can feel like a curse sometimes. And I'm imagining knowing some of the details and the circumstances. It's like, if you weren't bringing this wholehearted, deeply devoted um, soulful person that you are to some of the circumstances, it could easily, you could easily not find the meaning or the grace in the experiences.
0: Yeah, I could like, if I, if I didn't engage in this way I could be dead right now or have gone insane. Very like one of those two things would be true of me right now. Yeah.
1: Thank you for your willingness to engage and to share to the extents that feel right right now. And yeah, I'm just thinking about any of the women listening who are in their own particularly like that darkest, darkest part of the tunnel of their heroine's journey. May Sarah's sharing and may this conversation support you to feel like you're not alone at the bottom of the barrel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you're, you're not, and that's, that's where the prayer comes in. That's where the faith comes in. And that, that's how faith is built can only be built like through that deep deep testing that's what it is it's testing being tested planet earth is you know this earth school i think i think it's like the hardest or one of the hardest like incarnations to choose like it's it's the real deal here here especially
1: Yeah, it's so real and so vulnerable and so tender to be human and everything that we have to face, you know, and like we were talking about the full spectrum, like there's different circumstances that we have to reckon with depending on the level of privilege or culture or family that we're all born into, but none of us get a free pass. No. So, Sarah, given all of this and your return to Boulder and where you're at in the journey, even if it's another year or multiple years, and I, by the way, really appreciate you speaking to the the midlife transition component. I'm curious what you're imagining or setting your intention on in terms of the remainder of 2020 and this autumn into the winter.
0: Yeah, that's about as far ahead as I can look as I'm sure I'm not alone with that. But um, yeah, the main thing that I'm putting my, well, actually a couple of things I'm putting my, okay, a few things <laughs> I'm putting my focus on. Um, one is, you know, a couple of years ago, I published my story around how I had an abortion three and a half years ago. And that was one of the matches on my bonfire. I'm bringing that work back out and I took a little hiatus from it, but I'm bringing it back out um, to offer support to women who have had an abortion or who are trying to decide if they want to have an abortion. So there's a, a couple of ways I'm going to be doing that, um, which I'll be sharing. You know, I'll be sharing on my email list, and so I'm doing working on that over the next few months. And I'm taking down my old website and just my old identity, thewayofhehappywoman.com. All that's coming down probably in the month of October. And just putting up something super simple, kind of homespun, to just be reflective of who I am now, to come into current time on the internet. And um I've also been, you know, since the start of the pandemic, I started something called Women's House of Wisdom. It's like, it's an online women's spiritual practice community. Like I've been teaching for about 10 years, but it's, I don't know. It's also reflective of where I am now. It's just very simple and just practical and just goes right to the heart of things. And there are some teachings from Mary that are, and just, the great mother, like Mary's an emanation of the great goddess and the great mother um, that are wanting to come through at this time. And she often appears to people right before hard, like big hardship is going to strike. And I'm going to do a, a fall series, uh, October and November, around some of her her teachings and what she wants us to know right now. So I'm just I'm just opening more fully to to that flow of divine communication and and just rather than it just having it be between me and her just bringing it out more to other people now as well. So those are the three those are the three big things and that and resting <laughs> and just getting just getting settled here in in Colorado hunkering in for the winter.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that and I feel excited for you about all of those components. And and you having, you know, returning to your work in a different way, and people getting to receive your wisdom and having that space held for them feels so important, especially right now.
0: Thank you. And how about you? What's 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 ahead for you these this next season? Because today is the first day of autumn. Happy equinox. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Um, it feels nice to head into autumn. So, what's on the horizon for me? I think the the biggest thing is I'm really getting a lot of space. Well, a lot of space, relatively speaking, but um, for my writing and for my podcast. So, I'm actually going to be launching a podcast this autumn, which is the project I've had in my mind and heart for so many years and it's finally the right time and moment in my life to be able to bring it forward. So that's really the big deal. Um, other than continuing to attend to my family and my health and the individual clients that I work with, it's really, I think taking the seat more of, um, like the artist or the creator, whether that's in the form of my writing or this talk that I'm going to be giving or my podcast. Um, but I'm definitely maybe for the first time in my life, thanks to the pandemic and COVID, um, just in that space of like less is really more right
0: now. Yeah, here, here.
1: So anything else you want to share, Sarah, maybe in closing, something that's giving you hope or sanity right now in these times?
0: Well, one thing is just to like allow for not having hope at times. And... I mean I just keep keep coming back to prayer. And just keeping just keeping things really simple and letting life be small. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Letting
1: life be small.
0: Yeah, and I feel, you know, also what you're saying around just creating. Like creating is also very healing. Mm-hmm. And finding ways to let that like artist self emerge. Yeah.
1: Well, Sarah, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you as always. And I want to celebrate you and the book of she turning five. (laughs) And I really want to just honor you and, um, tell you how much I respect the way that you've engaged with this journey over the last many years. And um, I just have all the best wishes and hopes for you as you find this new footing in the return home process, however long it takes. And I just know that you going through these experiences serve something so much higher in the whole and I'm incredibly grateful. And I know that it's a huge service to women.
0: Thank you, Emma, I really value your, your friendship and your support. And a thank you to everyone who's, who's here and who's with us today and who's on your own journey Um, A lot of what's happening right now on the planet is a, like a final standoff with the patriarchy and the divine feminine. And we all need to trust our own unique place in our heroine's journey. And that the more that we can wholeheartedly engage with that, the stronger we're going to rise together. So don't doubt yourself. Um, Trust your life, trust yourself, validate yourself, validate your process and keep going, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And the next moment will always come and will always receive all of us. So thanks for being here. Many blessings on this season ahead, whatever it may hold, um, we'll get there together.